Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network. Biosimilars are drugs that are safe, effective, less expensive. Patients are saving money, and the system is saving money. So what we need to do is introduce policies in the marketplace that really enhance adoption of biosimilars. Welcome back to Healthcare Matters, the podcast that pulls back the curtain to help you make sense of complex healthcare economics and policy issues. As always, I'm joined by Dr. Robert Popovian from Washington, D.C. He's a pharmacist, he's an economist, and he's chief science policy officer at the Global Healthy Living Foundation. And across the country in Seattle, Washington, he's Connor Mertens, patient advocate and community outreach manager at the Global Healthy Living Foundation. And I would be remiss to say, congratulations, Connor. Sounders beat the Pumas for CONCACAF Champions League. Kudos. I mean, first MLS team to win the Champions League. Immortality. That's what we're saying here in Seattle. It's an exciting time. Well, we received plenty of feedback from our last episode of why are drugs so expensive for seniors? And two of our listeners blamed it on what they called the greed in the pharmaceutical industry. And they blamed both the pharmaceutical companies and the pharmacy benefit management companies in creating an environment that really hurts seniors. And as we know, that's only part of the full story. So if you missed that episode, make sure to check it out. Thanks for your comments. We invite you to go to Apple Podcasts and write a positive review and leave one of those honest five-star ratings. And wherever you're listening, whether it's Apple or Spotify or the rest, make sure you click that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode. So, Connor, let's get into this week's episode. And it's a topic that is very dear and near to my heart. And I know it's dear and near to your heart because you've done a lot of work in this space. And it's biosimilars. Well, Robert, as you know, here at GHLF, we really like our biosimilars we, and we like to talk about them. In fact, folks should go check out Breaking Down Biosimilars. I, I know one of the hosts, he's pretty knowledgeable on the subject. It's me, um, <laughs> I, along with my co-host, Zoe Rothblatt. We break down everything you need to know about biosimilars. But today we're going to chat and maybe condense a, a whole series into an episode and, and see where we go. So on that note, Robert, what is a biosimilar? So a biosimilar is a generic version of a branded biologic that has been developed by various pharmaceutical companies, and it has been approved by the Food and Drug Administration to be equally as safe, effective, and patients can use these medicines instead of the brand biologics. And what we've seen in the marketplace is that there's been a great deal of uptake with these medicines. Let's pause there. I think a little more definitions might be necessary. What is a biologic? I mean, what's a generic biologic? What do those two words mean together? Unlike small molecules that are synthesized in a laboratory and are developed in a test tube almost, biologics come from live organisms. And it's the process that is very important because what ends up being is that the process creates the biologic medicine. And a biosimilar, as we explained, is a generic version of that biologic drug. So overall, biosimilars are a great thing because they offer more options for patients. What do you think is the biggest reason folks would rather use a biosimilar rather than a biologic? It gives them more options, but the most important reason that they would use a biosimilar versus an originator biologic or a brand biologic is because they're less expensive. And we are at a place in our healthcare system that patients are suffering because of 
outrageous out-of-pocket costs instituted because of poor benefit design by pharmacy benefit management companies. And we need the tools to be able to reduce that out-of-pocket cost. And one way to do so is through the utilization of lower-priced alternatives. And the biosimilars are a lower-priced alternative to the brand biologics. We're not really seeing much usage of biosimilars in U.S. markets, but we are seeing it internationally. Why is that? The European market had about a 10-year head start to the U.S. market with regards to introduction of biosimilars. And frankly, we didn't get serious about biosimilars until the Affordable Care Act came into place. And part of the Affordable Care Act was to pass the Biologics Price Competition and Innovations Act, otherwise known as BPCIA. And that sort of paved the way for biosimilars to become a reality in the U.S. market. In essence, the biosimilar market didn't start in the U.S. as the first biosimilar was introduced in 2015, 2016 timeframe. And since then, what we've seen is that there's been a great deal of uptake in certain biosimilars, but not all of them. However, it is important to note that the market is moving forward and we are seeing better penetration every day. One thing that I find interesting is that each state has different laws about how biosimilars can be substituted for their, their reference biologic if a prescription comes into a pharmacy. What should folks do if they have concerns about that? What I would tell patients is that the Food and Drug Administration has approved biosimilars and has found biosimilars to be of equal safety, efficacy, and purity. What the state laws do is that it allows pharmacists to substitute a biosimilar for a brand biologic. And it allows the pharmacist to substitute without having to inform the healthcare professional that has prescribed it if the biosimilar has been designated as interchangeable. Even if the biosimilar is not interchangeable or does not have the designation of interchangeability, the pharmacist may still substitute. The only thing they have to do is to call the physician and get authorization or the provider authorization in advance. In either case, whether it is a biosimilar that is substituting a brand biologic or a generic medicine that is substituting a brand medicine, the patients have to be informed by the pharmacist when that takes place. A question that I remember that stuck out to me from our production during Breaking Down Biosimilars was from one of our, our patient advocates, Carrie, who was asking if the efficacy is still there, the effectiveness is all there, why are they so much cheaper? They're cheaper because of the way that they've been developed regarding the process within the FDA. This process is less cumbersome, and therefore, pharma companies were able to bring these medicines out much quicker and with less cost. Therefore, they are priced at a much lower level than the brand biologics. The question is, how do patients save money? Because that's what's important for patients is how much they are paying out of pocket. What we've seen since the introduction of biosimilars in the market is two things. Number one, we've seen a price reduction of the brand biologics. So even the presence of a biosimilar forces brand biologics to reduce their prices. We've also seen that as multiple biosimilars come into the market for the same product, there's also price reduction in the biosimilars. So market competition does in fact work. So how does patient benefit from that? When a patient has a deductible or a coinsurance, which is based on the price of the drug, 
they will end up paying less for biosimilar because it is lower priced than a brand biologic because it's a percentage of that medicine's price based on coinsurance or the deductible is the full retail price. So anytime there's a lower cost alternative like biosimilar, patients will save money. Can we chalk this slow process of getting biosimilars into the U.S. market up to classic red tape or are there arguments, are there folks that are against these entering the market? Well, there's been several barriers that have been erected for the biosimilar adoption in the U.S. market. First and foremost has been the rebate contracting issue. Pharmacy benefit management companies prefer higher priced, higher rebated drugs because they keep a percentage of that rebate and all of the fees that are associated with rebate contracting. The second barrier is this misrepresentation by certain parties that competition doesn't work. And that in fact, why are we introducing products in the market where we know that they're not gonna lower prices? We now have evidence that biosimilars are saving quite a bit of money. In 2020, biosimilars saved $7.9 billion, more than triple the $2.5 billion that they had saved in 2019. Meanwhile, biosimilars have created about $238 million on average in annual out-of-pocket cost savings for patients. These are significant issues. The final barrier is really a regulatory malaise. Food and Drug Administration has not done a good job of expediting an interpreting policy that will help bring these products quickly into the marketplace. Also, they've misinterpreted certain things or created barriers falsely. Like for example, FDA adopted the final policy that the strength of an injectable biologic product is based on both the total content of the drug substance and the concentration of the drug substance. The FDA changed the regulatory rules regarding biosimilar strength versus potency, which created a lot of chaos in the marketplace. Most clinicians like myself will say that, yes, in certain therapeutic classes or certain medicines, concentration is important. But in this case, with biosimilars, concentration is irrelevant. Here's what I know. Biosimilars are safe and effective. They drive down costs for patients. They've been successful domestically and abroad. And we should be doing a lot more to invest in these and make sure that they're introduced into the market. But as always, Robert, I want to make sure you get the last word. What's in the future for biosimilars? Connor, I couldn't have said it better. And you really brought all the points I was going to make, which is these are drugs that are safe, effective, less expensive. Patients are saving money and the system is saving money. So what we need to do is introduce policies in the marketplace that really enhance adoption of biosimilars, whether it is to call out practices such as rebate contracting that creates barriers or to ensure that the Food and Drug Administration is really on the ball and is able to provide regulatory guidance and also doesn't misinterpret information that is going to create barriers for introduction of biosimilars. We are seeing a very successful market growing. And at the end of the day, patients are saving money and we need to continuously support that because that's what we're about at Global Healthy Living Foundation. Unless a patient is saving money, then what is the point of doing these things? I mean, as always, Robert, you hit it right on the head. Thanks for breaking that down for us. I think folks are really going to take something away from this episode. We would love to hear from you. Please send your email or an audio clip to healthcarematters at ghlf.org. And thanks for listening to Healthcare Matters 
the podcast that pulls back the curtain to help you make sense of complex healthcare economics and policy issues. We always invite you to go to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest five-star rating and write a positive review. It'll help people like you find people like us. And wherever you're listening, whether it's Apple, Spotify, or the rest, make sure to click that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode. As always, he's Dr. Robert Popovian. And he's Connor Mertens. Always go Sounders, baby. We'll see you next time. Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network.